Hello and welcome back to the fans phone in in association with the last man standing by loserpool.com. I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on this show, we give you, the listeners, the opportunity to put your points out there. If you want to take part, it's simple. All you need to do is DM us on Twitter with your name and contact number, and we'll get you on the air live to have your say. The platform is yours. Have your say on anything Arsenal-related. If you're watching us live on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button and utilize the live chat. We'll be more than happy to pick up your comments from there. If you're listening to this back later on, welcome. Uh, but don't forget to subscribe, share, etc. You all know the drill by now. Now, without further delay, uh, let's dial up our first caller. Uh, let's get him on the line. <laughs> Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, James Rowe. How are you? Good evening, Harry. How are you? Are you okay? James, can you hear can me? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, can you hear me? James, how are you? I'm fine. Can you hear me okay? Bear with me, James. Go, go on. Ha go ahead, James. What, what do you want to say? Uh, well, one thing I wanted to say tonight, Harry, is I hope that all the players playing in the Europa League final and involved in the Europa League final against Chelsea realise the opportunity that they have. This is an opportunity for Arsenal to win their first European trophy in 25 years. Uh, this is our first European final appearance in 13 years. And um, it's, a, it's a tremendous opportunity. And you would hate for, if we don't win the final for these players to look back at the end of their careers and think what only what might have been. You know, as I've stated, uh, living here in Amsterdam I and mean, going back to London quite regularly this season, primarily for Europa League games as well, you know, this is um, this is an opportunity that we can't let it pass us by. You know, big clubs in world football have a standing and big clubs also win in Europe. And uh, we've got an opportunity to prove to European counterparts that we are a big club, that we can be taken seriously. And it would be nice to ascertain Champions League football having won a European competition this season before. Fantastic. James, apologies. I had an issue with my headphones there initially, so I couldn't hear you at the very beginning, but it's now sorted. James, what do you, make of, what do you make of the final being held in Baku? Well, it's a strange decision, but as we spoke on Twitter the other day, Harry, well in advance and really only I think it comes it really comes down to potluck I mean I myself was in Lyon last year for the Europa League final and Lyon is a wonderful city you know really really great fun had from beginning to end but it's a real tough ask for many many fans who have been fans for many years to uh, undergo such an ambitious trip when there's visa requirements involved, when there's multiple changeovers involved. And it, it's just a shame that such an occasion which Arsenal fans would relish. I mean, you only have to look at uh, the polar opposite of when we was in Paris in 2006. You know, it's, it's as if that day was as if Paris turned into London because there were so many Arsenal fans. But, but so, James, you, James, you said there is potluck. But is it potluck? UEFA have time to get this right, don't they? They have time mm -hmm. to make sure that the, the city that they award the final to can A, handle it, that it's feasible for people to get to. The issues that we're hearing about Baku, surely UEFA should have done their homework and made sure that this city was fit for purpose. And I've got nothing against Azerbaijan as a nation 
or the city or the people or anything. But it's not fit for purpose for this final, is it? UEFA have to take some blame for that. Um, they certainly have to take responsibility for the decision they've made, Harry. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But if you look at the commercial elements of football in this day and age, it's as if everyone now gets a bite of the cherry. Everyone is involved in terms of staging potential events, new countries with new systems and that kind of thing. So I think the commercial element of, of, of where an occasion can come from and where countries come whereas before you would think you know a country would never hold such an event it just goes to show how quickly things can change in a commercial sense and it is a shame that many many Arsenal fans will not be able to attend I mean I, I'm even doubting that if Arsenal will, will sell their entire allocation of 6,000. Well we know we, we've seen lots of rumours today that only around about 2,000 have been sold so far. The tickets have gone down to silver members, red members. That tells you everything, doesn't it, about this? And, and you know, I am one of those people who's able to get a ticket, but can I get to Baku? I don't know. Can I justify mm. spending, you know, in excess of a £1,000 to go there for, for a day? Yeah. I, I fully commend the honesty, Harry, of Arsenal fans that have admitted that. And I can fully understand the financial requirements myself. Obviously, every game, every Arsenal game I attend to attend involves a flight from Amsterdam and back again. So I can fully understand the financial um, constraints and the con financial implications uh, of uh, such a choice. And I think Arsenal fans need to be commended for their honesty in that respect. But again, it's a it's a personal decision as well. I mean, in my case, I made uh, pre plans uh, for the morning uh, to leave the morning after the final on a, on a city trip that I'm going on. So I wouldn't have been able to attend the final, but uh, that's why I put the effort in to attend the group games and the knockout games in order to, to be a part of the Europa League journey this season. Absolutely. James, just before I let you go, uh, Matteo Genduzzi, lots of talk about him getting a new deal. Uh, people's talking about his wages being doubled. They are just reports at the moment. Is it a little bit premature though, in your opinion? Um, I believe uh, it is premature and Arsenal have to learn from their mistakes. I believe that Arsenal have to learn from their mistakes in terms of identifying players better, in terms of looking what they need, in terms of casting the net wide and going after players they need and offering sensible contracts in terms of wage and in terms of length. Also, we, could, we would do well to reinforce and reinvigorate our youth policy. Um, Harry, as you know, I'm fortunate enough to interview professional players and managers. And I interviewed Sebastian Larsson not so long ago, who's now playing in his native Sweden for yep. AAK Solna. And when he spoke about his time at Arsenal, in particularly the youth experience he had, he said the following to me, I couldn't have wished for a better, for a better footballing education in terms of the environment, in terms of the players, in terms of the structure. Now, you would hope that Arsenal would learn to kind of re recreate that environment again for the next generation to flourish. And it's about finding youth players and letting them, giving them confidence and believing in them and scouring Europe and other, other continents to find good players. Because if you look hard enough, you can find them. Yeah, absolutely. James, thank you so much for joining us. Um, let our listeners know where you're calling from and how they can follow you on social media. Uh, I'm calling from Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Brilliant. You can follow me on at James Rowe NL on Twitter. Brilliant stuff. James, thank you so much. And we'll speak to you again very, very soon. 
Indeed. Enjoy the final, um, Harry. Safe travels to Baku and fingers crossed we will win our first European trophy in 25 years. Thank you very much, mate. Fingers crossed. That was James Rowe from the Netherlands. While I line up our next caller, just a couple of comments coming through on the live chat from Sassid Wasami. He says, I think there's going to be lots of bargains to be had for Arsenal in the summer. Uh, I don't trust them. But Torreira, Genduzi, Leno and Socrates for 65 million was good business. If we can do something similar with the 40 million, we can maybe just maybe buy Mane's barber on a two-year loan deal. I like that one. <laughs> Uh, right, let's dial up our next caller. Here we go. Apologies for the breakup in sound quality at the beginning. Welcome to the EE e voicemail. Andrew Armistead is going to be next on the line. Let's see if we can get through to him. Uh, he is awaiting the call. Welcome to the EE nope. e voicemail. We'll have to move on. Uh, let's move on to our next guy. Bear with me a second. Comment coming through. Arsenal linked to Argentinian Walter Kahneman. Anyone rate him? That's from Carlito Elguna on the live chat. Carlito, if I'm completely honest with you, I don't know anything about the player. Um, I'm finding it really, really difficult to make judgments on players that, if I'm being honest, you know, I've, I've never watched. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? Um, you know, uh, what can I say? Walter Kahneman. Don't know a great deal about him. Let's get on to our next caller. Apologies. Uh, couldn't get through to the last one. If we dial you and we can't get through, we will just move on. Apologies, but we've got a lot of people that we need to get on the line. Uh, bear with me. Here we go. Welcome to the EE voicemail. Okay, next one. Let's go. Let's go. Let's keep going through the numbers. Um, Harry, evening, mate. Get the game in pod. Let's get onto the caller first and then we'll go back to that question. Thanks for that, mate. Hello. Mike Stavrou, you're on the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. How are you? Welcome to the show. What do you want to say? I miss you, Harry. That's what I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time of people that have been listening. They've heard, they've heard my annoying voice and you've, my annoying opinions. You've disappeared. Um, you've yeah. disappeared. Yeah, I've fallen off the face of the earth. You know, it gets crazy towards the end of the season. So I'm looking forward to having a little break, but I'm going to miss the Arsenal. But yeah, Harry, I wanted to um, chat to you really about um, about Baku because I've been doing a lot of um, a lot of research into it recently and just like the different ways to get there. You know, obviously no flights to Baku in the first, um, sorry, the week of the final. Um, you can only fly there on Saturday and then come back three days afterwards. Um, if you want to drive, you can hit 60 hours with no stops. Um it's just basically outrageous to get there. You can go a few. You can go through a few uh, war zones if you want. If that's uh, if that tickles your fancy. Me personally, no. Um, but the fact that um, we were moaning about the six thousand allocation uh, for each set of fans, and the tickets are going to go on general sale because the season ticket holders don't want them. I mean, what does that say? I mean, it's just such a ridiculous decision. It makes by us look a bit stupid, though, doesn't it? Complaining about the allocation. I know that the travel is yeah, a right, pain yeah. in the ass, and I. I'm one of those people who's been complaining about it. And I probably am not going to go now, despite having a ticket because of the yeah. travel. But we do look a bit stupid because we've kicked up such a big fuss about the 6,000 allocation. And to mm. my understanding, we've only sold about 2,000. 
Yeah, I mean, it is, it's ridiculous. But what, what routes were you looking at when you were looking to go? Were you going to have to take some outrageous route together? Oh, yeah. I mean, some of the journeys that were coming up were, were, were 22 hours of travel, stopping <sighs> off in various yeah. places. It's just a joke, isn't it? Yeah, and the official Arsenal travel, because I think they, they bought up some more routes, so direct flights, is about 900 or something pounds, I think. But um, that's, that, I think, I think that's a day trip. So that's, that's a bloody long way. Um, but yeah, on that, I mean, it's great to get to the European final. You know, it's, it's fantastic. But um, if, if you can't get there, what's the point, really? Um, what, one other thing, Harry, I wanted to bring up is as well, um, someone put to me earlier um, on an Arsenal group chat that I'm on, would you sell Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang to distribute the, the funds to the rest of the squad? Um, first of all, like my initial reaction was no way. Like We can't become that sort of club where we sell our top players. You know, We need to hold on to... To players like Aubameyang, who's really, you Aubameyang, know, if we didn't have them this season, we'd be in big, big trouble with our defence. Um, but I'd, yeah, I just wanted to ask what your opinion on that would be. Oh, it's an interesting one because, um, you know, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because for, for years and years, we've been complaining about selling our best assets and then the club not reinvesting the money. If I was absolutely certain that the club would sell Aubameyang, get the money in and build the squad, I'd be like, kind of okay with it, but I'm not convinced that that's going to happen. I'm not convinced that if we did sell him, all the money would go back into the playing squad. And that's a problem for me. Yeah, that's a big problem. I mean, contract negotiations, obviously we were having a bit of a, not a heated debate, but you know, we're good friends and we, we can get in, we can have debates and have different opinions. That's fine. But um, on matter of Guendouzi. Let's do this now. Let's do this debate. Come on. You <laughs> <laughs> Said he didn't really want him. Uh, he didn't think it was worthwhile him getting a, um, a new contract. Well, I, I agree with you in the sense that um, has he deserved it? Probably not. I mean, in the sense of trying to protect an asset, uh, I, I get it. I know that um, buyout clauses aren't uh, aren't legally binding in this country. In Spain, they are, but in this country, they're not. But I think when you when you whack a contract on a player like that, what they were trying to do is protect him. And I, I know that you said he doesn't have many years. Sorry, he's got quite a long time left on his contract. But I think regardless, you know, if you, if you back him and you make that buyout clause higher, it just deters clubs. That's, that's the angle that I was coming at it from. I, I, I totally take on board what you're saying. Um, and I do think that Matteo Genduzzi is a fantastic prospect and he's shown glimpses of becoming a really, really good player. And so you never want to lose those players. My issue with it is this, though. We're talking about a club who for the last couple of transfer windows we're being told they've been restricted in the transfer market because of our wage bill because our wage bill is top yeah. heavy now in that instance where that is the case we're going into a summer where yes we're going to lose a few players Pedacek's going to go Danny Welbeck's going to go you expect Licksteiner to go and that takes quite a bit off your wage bill but why tie down more of it when you don't need to he's still got three years remaining on his contract. And I, you know, there's no danger of losing Matteo Guendouzi. People say that it will fend off other clubs, but we don't need to sell him because he's under contract. And until it gets to the last two years, I would say, then that's that's when you need to look at it, I think. And, you know, we've seen in the past, we don't want to let it go down to that one year, but two years is still plenty for me. And yeah. he's got three. So that, that's where I, I don't understand it. I think at times this season, he's been average. I think at times he's been very good, but I think particularly in the second half of season, he wasn't very good, if, I, if I'm if i being honest. I, I, what did you make of the second half of his season? 
Yeah, I mean, that was the point. Um, and actually, someone brought it up to you, which I didn't think of before. If you, if you use the same guidelines on a player like Lucas Torreira, he's become a bit of a cult hero for his performances. You know, he scored the, the goal against Spurs in the 4-2 victory. Uh, I think that that kind of papered over some cracks in the second half of the season. So if you're if, if you're saying that about Guendouzi, I mean, Torreira also didn't have a great second half of the season. Hardly played, um, was, was trotted by a Marine favour of, of other players. Even sometimes Mohamed Elneny when Torreira was on the bench, which for me is crazy. But um, he's yeah, and for, for the, he's only just turned twenty. But for the majority of the season, he was nineteen. He was brought in for a pittance. I don't think he would have expected to play anywhere near them games. I don't think any of us fans would have. Um, I don't really think it's his fault, and I think it makes sense why he burnt out a little bit. And yeah, I mean he has been average at times, but at other times he's been he's been really good and positive. One of the few players at the club for a midfield that can drive. Uh, drive the ball forward. I'm not saying he's perfect, but I think he's a he's a promising uh, talent. And but I think he should be played as that um, a, a promising talent. One thing though, Harry, I'm worried about um, looking ahead to the summer. You know, is this is this budget which is sort of nonsense in the sense that the club would never reveal how much they actually have to spend because that would just force teams to, to drive the prices up. So. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not believing any of the reports. I mean, it obviously will be less if we don't get in the Champions League, but where can you see us really strengthening and how many players can you see going out? Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it'll be difficult to say. It, it's impossible to say with Arsenal. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I, I can't tell you who I think will come in and I can't tell you who I think will go out because it's just so unpredictable. I guess the, the outgoings are dependent on the players that we bring in and vice versa. And, and you know, so it's very difficult to predict. Mike, thank you very much for joining me. Um, yes, I'm going to get on to our next caller um, and uh, speak to you again soon. That was Mike. Uh, let's get on to our next caller. Let's dial him up. Here we go. Getting through your calls this evening on the Chronicles of Aguna, the fans. Hello there. Hi, Andrew, joining me on the line. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Apologies about before. No worries at all. Welcome to the show, mate. You're on the Chronicles of Aguna. You. You're live. What do you want to say? I'm just think just want to have a bit of a, a recap, really, on, on the season and say that it's probably one of the only seasons for quite a long time where I've had so many mixed feelings about how it's gone. I mean, if it hadn't been for reaching the final. I think it'd be extremely disappointing. And I, uh, towards the end of the season, when we had the oh, incredible collapse, when we had uh, third place in our hands, um, I, I, I didn't know what to think really about uh, about the manager. I was having very, very sort of second thoughts about about him and how whether I trust him with regards to going forward. But um, as I say, reaching the final of the, the Europa League has put things on hold really for me. I'm still, the jury's out for me, really, with regards to the season, because I don't think we, I mean, people on Twitter have been going on about uh, that we really need to have a reality check and we're a top six team. Yeah. And um, I don't, we, just this season has shown that we shouldn't have been a top six team, shouldn't have finished fifth. Absolutely. And I we mean, should have easily you... finished third. It's, it was in our hands. And one just one win out of those last five or six matches, it, as it turned out, would have put us above Spurs at least. And then, you know, two wings out, which we uh, should have had, as Crystal Palace was the one for me, really. Yeah. That's where the um, the season should have been. It should have been done then. We That's should right. have received, 
I totally agree with you, mate. I totally agree with you. And, you know, going back to your point where you say that people say, oh, we need a reality check. We're a top six side. The fact is that you can start the season with one objective, but you can adjust your objectives throughout the season. Given the position we were in, our objective was to finish in the top four. We were absolutely in the driving seat and we blew it. Now, if Unai Emery does go on and win the Europa League, he's done his job as far as I'm concerned because he's got us back in the Champions League. Yeah, That is what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I I totally agree. I think we were very much on the same wavelength as far as that's concerned because I totally understand people when they say, well, if you had at the start of the season, if you were offered the Europa League final and finishing fifth, one point behind Spurs, most people say, yeah, okay, that's a fairly decent season. But events change those expectations and the way things were going and with all of all the people around us, Spurs, Chelsea, Man United, just basically having a horrendous end to the season as well. We should have, just with that one match at Crystal Palace, for example, you know, that should have put us well above everyone else. And we should have been quite a few points clear, to be fair, let's be honest of everyone else in third. But um, I think with regards to the Europa League final, I fancy our chances against uh, Chelsea, but I was listening to another podcast as well earlier on today. It was was the Arsenal Vision one. And uh, it was very interesting what what, uh, Elliot said on that as well, with regards to (laughs) sliding doors moments for the season, because you just... Imagine what it could have, the repercussions could be over the next few years if the worst possible outcome was to happen and we were to lose our final and Spurs were went on to win theirs. What it could do to both the teams and moving forward, yeah, it don't really bear thinking about, to be honest, does it? Because could we realistically say that you know North London is red after that for, for a while at least? It could put us back by quite a substantial amount of years in in the plan that we've got to move forward it could it could andrew what do you make of of the baku thing it's a huge debate this week we've spoken about it already on the show this evening i want to get everybody's thoughts on this because for me this is a real serious subject what do you make of uefa's decision to hold a uefa uefa sorry europa league final in baku a million miles away from here I think it's, it's it's quite simple, really. I mean, with regards to Baku, the decision was made two years ago. So, that, you know, it's been known for quite a long time. So that's fair enough. However, they should always have some kind of plan B for situations like this when you've got two teams from London travelling, was it, two and a half thousand miles? Yep. Um, like in some cases, I've read on, in some cases, it can take a day and a half to get there, depending on what route you take as well. And it's... It's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that, why was it chosen in the first place, though? Two years ago, or not two years ago, when you can only, when the airspace and the transportation links to get to the ground, apparently, can only withstand 12,000 fans, according to UEFA, as what their statement they put out the other day, why on earth was it chosen as a final venue anyway? Because, yes, all these countries have got the right to hold these tournaments, but not when you can't get there. Yeah. A maximum of 12,000 fans can get there. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, yes, they I can understand they have to choose these venues so far in advance, but surely they must be able to have a few other stadiums on standby around Europe in case something happens. I mean, what if the, 
you know, there was a civil unrest around the area or something, and they had to change it last minute as well. I mean, yeah. they got they must have some kind of there must be some sort of contingency, situation. isn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What do and you... I've got a couple more points as well, go, but if go I ahead, may, go ahead. <clears throat> with regards to like the, the losses we've got this this year, regards players going out, uh, and obviously with you know some big names, um, some big personalities that are lost from the dressing room, in Czech and Welbeck and Ramsey. But the most high-profile ones. I, I think the biggest loss to the season, uh, personnel-wise, has got to be Sven, Sven Mislintat, who, I mean, I, I would feel a lot more more, more comfortable about uh, deals that we're going to be doing in the summer if he was still there. I don't know. I mean, regards my um, uh, my thoughts about Emery going forward, I say I have put all that on hold because of the final, but I don't know still whether I've got any kind of faith in him to bring the right kind of personality into the dressing room. It's all very well going after these players from abroad. I mean, I can't remember the guy's name. You spoke about him earlier, uh, the defender we're looking at from Argentina. From Argentina. Um, uh, Walter Kahneman. Yeah, I mean, have you heard of him before? No, I'll be honest, I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't. No, exactly. It's really uh, difficult when people ask me about these players because... Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, I've never heard of him before either. And, you know, why? It just frustrates me when there's so many good players, Premier League ready, that are, you know, in, in teams that are sort of below the top six or below, or even top cham- championship quality players. I think we're just too snobbish about bringing this type of player in. And I think there's so many players on our doorstep that we could bring in, who we could put immediately into the first team hit the ground running and yes you may pay you know two or three million pound more or whatever it may be uh for players like that but i think there's so many good players that we could actually go for i mean, I mean let's be fair we could have like half of the, the leicester team half of the wolves team to walk straight into our team if we're honest right now yeah and absolutely. there's so i mean they wouldn't let all these players go of course but you know if we were just um went all out to get someone like like a Ben Chilwell left back, we've got Wambasaka at right back. I'm really not into Zaha, uh, that sort of prices that were being quoted on Twitter at the moment. I don't think that's really overpriced. Um, yeah, it is. But there's other players like James Madison and Yuri Tillemans who've been playing for Leicester. I think they're absolutely fantastic players uh, that I'd go for above Zaha just because of the age as well. But the, the way that they've performed this year, it's been fantastic. I mean, I know that um, Tillemans only came in, in in January. I think yeah. he, last time I looked, I think he, he got about 12 um, appearances this season. But he, he looks like the real deal. And, you know, there's so many uh, other options rather than going for these, always thinking that we have to go abroad and bring players in. But it's just more of a risk than if you do buy someone from the Premier League. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I, t- I totally agree. I think the reason they do it, though, is because the inflated transfer fees when buying between Premier League clubs. I think that's a real problem. And I think that's yeah. what puts Arsenal in particular off of doing deals like that. Um, but I totally take your points. I think there's some great points there. Andrew, thank you very much. And uh, we hope to speak to you again very soon. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Right, bye-bye.
right? That was Andrew on the line. Apologies, Andrew. I cut you off a little bit suddenly there. Sorry. Uh, got a little bit trigger happy with the button. Uh, thank you to all of you who are watching us live right now on YouTube. Uh, guys, please hit the like button. There's much more of you watching than there is likes at the moment. So if you could please hit that like button, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, comment from the game in pod on YouTube. He says, Harry, evening, mate. What are your thoughts about the club's statement regarding UEFA's decision to host the final in Baku? They didn't seem to mention Mickey. Do you think he'll be going to Baku? Um, hi, mate. Thanks for your question. Uh, in terms of the club statement, I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. And I was proud to see Arsenal questioning UEFA and asking what the criteria was when selecting the city that they have, because it absolutely makes no sense to me. Um, in terms of Mikitarian, they didn't mention it. You're absolutely right. However, I've seen an interview uh, earlier on on Sky Sports uh, where I think it was the sports minister of Azerbaijan uh, made the point of saying that Mikitarian would be granted his visa. Uh, he said that sport and politics have no um, no relation. And so they will be making sure that Mikitarian is safe and assisting him in getting his visa uh, make of that we will. I still think it's out of order that there's even a question being asked about that. Uh, question from Russ Morgan on the chat. Would you sell Laka to Barca if all the money we get from him was used? Mm, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because I'm not convinced that the money would be used. It's really, really difficult. I try and keep Lacazette and Aubameyang. I think they're crucial to us building. Right, let's get on to our next caller. Uh, let's dial him up. God, these rings take an age. Uh, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Drew. How you doing, Drew? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Good, good. Drew, where where are you where are we dialing you from? I'm in New York City. Brilliant, fantastic. From across the pond, Drew, what do you want to say on tonight's show? Uh, we've been talking Baku, we've been talking Genduzi, we've been talking Mikitari, and we've been talking uh, transfers. What, what do you want to say? Uh, I, I was wondering what your thoughts about these setup. A lot of people are talking about people we're bringing in in the summer, potentially, you know, there's links with uh, Adrian Rabio, questions about what we're going to do with Ganduzi, uh, do we need a new left back, all these sorts of questions. But no one's talking about potentially the young players we're going to want to bring in. Um, you know, you have Reese Nelson coming back from his loan. You have uh, Bukayo Sako, who, uh, Sako rather, who people are high on in the club. Uh, Willock showed that he could maybe step into Ramsey's role without just having to go into the market for it. So where do you stand on it? In terms of the setup, it's really difficult to say. I, I think I, I've made this point on some of the podcasts this season. When people talk about waiting for you know certain young players to develop, I think that's absolutely the right way to go if you know you're looking at the long-term future. But the problem you have when you do that is, for example, Unai Emery came in on a three-year deal with the option for it to be terminated after two. Now the reality is, does Unai Emery have time to hope? that a Reese Nelson or a Bukayo Saka or an Emil Smith-Rowe come good? Or does he need to act now and get players in that he knows can do the job? Because football is a very short-term game now. I, I don't know what you think on that. I just think that managers are under so much pressure that it's often risky to wait and hope that a youngster will come through. Well, it's interesting because Arsene Wenger talked about that himself, didn't he? He said young players cost you points. And that's why sometimes, especially in the Premier League, it can burn you. Um, and while I do think we have, we're in the midst of right now, 
a really good crop of young players. And a lot of these kids would get into a lot of the sides in the Premier League for sure. And certainly in the championship. So just to talk about maybe, maybe loaning some potentially, but the question is, do we worry so much about the short-term game about maybe trying to quickly get back into regular third and fourth place finishes, maybe even trying to challenge for one year, or do we try to think about playing the long game now and really utilize the fact that our youth setup is actually on the road to where it needed to be. For me, I think that's the debate completely. And it's difficult because people, you know, I I talked a lot about today about, you know, the the possibility of say in a different world, we sell Aubameyang this summer for whatever it was, 80 million people were talking about. How would we, how would we reinvest that money? Yeah. Would we go and try to get ready-made players who are like uh, like Wilfred Zaha, for example? Or would we go in and try to get younger players who, like Torea, come with massive upside potential but aren't at their peak yet? And do we hope in a year or two they hit that peak with us? Or do we get players who are already at their peak? Do we have that kind of time? It's a difficult question we're in because we're not ready to challenge yet. And yeah. really, if, we are, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not going to be ready to challenge yet in the next two or three years. So should we take this time period now to be honest and say, listen, we're not getting a proper title challenge. We're not going to get better than fourth. We're not going to finish lower than sixth. Do we really try to really come up with a better core where we failed with the British core? Maybe we're successful with this one with a younger core of players that we currently have the club now. It's difficult to, to really hammer down an answer because we're in a really tough spot as a club. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult to find the balance, of course, Missing out on the Champions League, though, is having a financial impact on this club. And with Stan Kroenke taking full control, we know that he's not going to put any money in. He's going to literally <laughs> go with what we're earning. Uh, Drew, you've got lots of fans in the chat, lots of people uh, talking about you, telling you that you're the uh, the king of German football knowledge. So tell us <laughs> about Ibrahima Konete, because he's someone that we've been linked with in the last few days, isn't he? So, Konate, I don't... <laughs> As much as I would absolutely love to have him at the club, I just don't see it happening. RBL are at a position now where you have Julian Nagelsmann coming in next season. You know, he plays a back three often at Hoffenheim. It's something he, he might bring regularly into Leipzig. We're not sure yet, obviously. But at the club right now, he has Upamecano, Konate, and um, Billy Orban all at the club. And those are three very, very good center backs he can build long-term with. And even Orban, who was arguably one of the better centre-backs in all of Germany this past season. He's not even in his prime playing years yet. So I can't see the club wanting to really move one of them on, even though they could obviously reinvest. You know, they're not afraid to spend. They're not afraid to take chances on young players. That's kind of what they're building their brand on right now. Um, But a player like Konate, honestly, I feel like he's better served staying there a couple of years. And then when he's ready to move on, he's going to go straight to the top. I think he is that good. Um, and I don't think we can. I don't think we can afford him now, let alone in another couple of years. I think currently looking at a player who would be potentially more expensive than Umtiti because Umtiti is apparently being shopped, but Konate is none is nonetheless. They want to keep him. I don't see why they'd want to sell him. You know, you'd be looking at a 50, 60 million pound center back, and he's only he's not even twenty years old yet. Yeah. So when we're talking about he's he, he's shown promise, but he needs more seasoning, and I think it's that simple when you look at it and. I rate him, but I don't think he'd be ready for the jump. But I think when he is ready for the jump, I think he's going to go to a level that we're not even at currently. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? How Arsenal fans have got this thing about plucking out names from Europe that in truth we don't really know a great deal about and saying, yeah, this is absolutely the right player to bring in. And I love talking to people who have knowledge of the other leagues because for me, 
people are very quick to say, yeah, this guy's the answer. But in actual fact, have they watched him play? Have they seen anything more than a five-minute YouTube highlight reel? And that's kind of my issue uh, with a lot of this transfer no. speculation. Um, Drew, thank you so yeah. much for joining us. Um, got to get through to another call, but thank you for yeah. coming on. Really appreciate it. And me. we'll have you gone on again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, bud. Cheers, mate. Bye. That was Drew calling from New York City. Uh, big thanks to Drew. And a thank you to every single one of you that's watching live. I know I keep saying it, but the numbers are absolutely brilliant. Uh, so, guys, again, there are lots of you watching. Hit that like button on YouTube. It's so, so important. And I apologize for the problems at the beginning of the show uh, with a little bit of the sound this is live. Uh, that's going to happen, unfortunately. I can't do a great deal about it. I don't have a producer here. I'm doing it all by myself. Uh, so I'm trying to juggle the conversation and, of course, the phones. Uh, right. Let me bear with me. Let me get on to our next caller and keep your questions coming in the chat as well. Um, let's have a look. Let's go on to our list. Uh, don't forget to hit like, people. Don't forget to share as well. Uh, right, let's get on to our next caller. It feels like an age when you're ringing these numbers, doesn't it? Good evening. Good evening, Melvin. Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. You're live on air. What would you like to say? Well, just, I think, talking about, we've spoken about our manager a lot this evening, yeah? Uh, not too much, actually. Not a great deal, I'm surprised. Right. I'll tell you where I am at the moment. I'm split down the middle. He's like a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde to me. At times, I'm thinking, it's fantastic. We've got a manager with this passion on the touchline. I love to see that. Sometimes, especially at home, he picks the, seems to pick the right way to play. We get at the team fast. Other times, I'm scratching my head with, what he act the team he picks a bit like the um the last days of the Wenger when we used to scratch ahead why is he playing that player when so and so is available i think he's going to get it right we've got to give him time and i think this is the biggest um, um transfer window we're going to see for a long time now not only who he buys but very importantly who he sells because if he doesn't sell the some of the poor ones you know as well as i do at some stage they're put on a shirt again yeah, absolutely. And that's the worry. Absolutely. Melvin, what, what what have you made of the season overall then? Do you agree with me that we should have finished in the top four? And, you know, I, I can't take people sitting there going, oh, we're a top six side. The fact is it opened up for us and we failed, didn't we? Well, it wasn't just one game, was it, Harry? I mean, we were given we were given four bites of the cherry and couldn't take that's one. Right. That's right. That, that is so disappointing. I mean, you know, to lose is a mistake. To do it three or four times is not a mistake, is it? There's something deeper than that. And that's the worrying thing. What have you made of the Europa League final and the fact that it's being held in Baku? We've spoken about that a lot tonight. Um, I don't think anybody has said that it was a good idea hosting it there. And I want to just reiterate the point again. I've got no issue with Azerbaijan as a country. I've got no issue with Baku as a city or the people or anything like that. It's just not... Um, fan friendly is it making people go all that way we weren't going get, to ever get two teams from Azerbaijan in the final were we so at some point you've got to think about this sensibly think about the journey and the cost the cost is crazy Melvin your thoughts on that thoughts on that right a couple of things first of all is it actually in Europe Azerbaijan I, I don't think it is it's Asia isn't it it's up for debate isn't it it's up for debate They're that's in number the, one alright that's up for the debate today, so that's not clear someone and said secondly, to me today, Sorry, Melvin. Someone said to me today, Sorry. but they're in the Eurovision. 
And I said, but so are Australia. What's that got to do? Exactly. <laughs> Carry on. Saving. But the, the, I mean, let's face it. We know why it's done in these countries. It's very political now, football. And it's, you know, you said to me a few years ago, we're going to have the World Cup in Qatar. Exactly. That, you know, the same way. That's not friendly. It's not football friendly, let alone fan friendly. I mean, it's in 100 degrees they got to play in, in the winter. So it's it's not that's not thought of. And I think one of the America, I think it's um, one of the American football, I think, American football, they can change it, a venue, within 24 hours or something, someone said the other day, because they have the, the um, playoffs very well before the, just before the final. So why we couldn't do it to another country? It's, it's madness. It's not fair. It's not right. And uh, you know as well as I do, if, it, if there wouldn't have been any television rights, they, it would have been done in Europe, uh, closer to home. Absolutely. I mean, we were all complaining. We were talking about this earlier. We were all complaining about the 6,000 ticket allocation, but it appears that we've only sold around about 2,000 tickets so far. And, you know, I'm someone who's got a ticket, probably won't be able to get out there. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? Same here. I've got to, I bought tickets. My 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 son's going. Actually, he managed to get a flight, but I'm not going. I can't pay the, the, the what they're asking. It's ridiculous money. It's absolutely ridiculous. Take time off, take three or four days off work, plus the cost. But you know, it's just it's just not on for me. It's just and I feel sorry for the fans that are really that go to all the away games. I only go to the home games. I feel sorry for the fans that go home and away that they just can't do it, and it's it's very sad. So I know that we've complained we only got 6,000, but I think uh, a lot will come back. Yeah, absolutely. Melvin, just finally, your thoughts on Matteo Genduzzi. There's been reports doing the rounds this week that Arsenal are set to double his wages and offer him a contract extension. Now, I put out a video yesterday where I said that I felt it was a little bit premature. He's still got three years on his current deal. What is the rush, considering we are a club who keep getting told that we don't have the money uh, to pay out on wages? So why would you give more to a player that we don't need to up his contract? It makes no sense to me, and I feel like it's premature. I've taken a shitload of abuse for this. Your thoughts? I back you 100%. I think it's ridiculous. I think the younger the player is, the more you tie them in with higher, higher wages, sometimes it works in reverse and they take their foot off the pedal. They may not mean to do it, but that's the worry we've got. I mean, when you've got clubs like the, like when, under Ferguson, for example, Man United, he never did that until the last minute because he knew he, those players had to fight for the jersey and wanted it. Once you start putting these players on double, treble, or whatever you like, contracts, then all of a sudden it's like, well, I've made it now. They might not think they think that, but in the back of their mind, they've made it and that's it. And all of a sudden, perhaps the ones where they've got to win the tackle, they just don't win it like they should. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, question that's coming from Mike Stavry on the chat. Uh, Mike joined us earlier on on the call. He's asked, what players would you ship out this summer? Melvin, quick fire list of who you'd kick out of the door. Right, oh, this is going to be a bit controversial, but Go apart from it. the obvious ones, Jacker, I would definitely get rid of. Okay. I'd get rid of um, Mustafi. Yep. Uh, um, you know, I think that has been a great term. Monreal's got to go. I would even get rid of him. This is going to be a real horror hard one. Kalasanac. Okay. I don't think he's quite up to it. He's fantastic going forward, but he's not a winger. And when he has to defend, he can't. And he makes bad mistakes. Up front, you can't touch him. They're brilliant. Iwobi is a squad player, but just leave him as a squad player. Mkhitaryan hasn't cut the mustard for me. And he's had plenty of chances. Yep. I think that's about it. Yeah, the rest I think we're okay with. Just finally, before I let you go, your thoughts on Mesut Ozil. We haven't spoken about him tonight. Um, we haven't. Well, he's a luxury player. Had he been in our um, invincible team, he would have been brilliant. 
but he's one of those players that needs 10 or 10 great players, 10 very good players around him, and you'll get the best out of him. We haven't, and that's why we don't get the best out of him. He's in the wrong team. And also, very quickly, I think the way the style we play doesn't suit him either. Tip tap is no good for him. He's brilliant when the ball comes from deep and we run at teams and we stretch the teams like he did for Real Madrid. When he could, when he could run with the ball and stretch it. When he's playing, he's got 10 defenders in front of him. He's got to try these little touches, which sometimes doesn't come off. It's not always his fault. He gets frustrated and it doesn't work. Absolutely. He's good for a team. Like, he would have been good a team like, I know he's too good for him, some might say, but someone like Leicester, which used to, like the two seasons ago, he used to play very quick break football. He'd have been in a style of football like that. That would have suited him. Absolutely. Don't disagree with you. Melvin, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and we hope to have you on again in the very near future. Thanks, Harry. Keep well. All the best. Cheers, mate. That was Melvin Marks. Let's move on to our next caller. Uh, bear with me a moment. Guys, keep your comments coming in the chat. Keep the likes coming. Uh, if you're listening on the uh audio afterwards on iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever. Uh, apologies. I keep talking about YouTube, but we are live on YouTube. That's why. Uh, right. Let me get over to our next caller. God, I need to get faster at doing this, don't I? Um, here we go. Here we go. Let's have a look. Um, here we go. Let's hit the call button now. That's much more funky. Glenn, hey, welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. You're live. What do you want to say? Well, first of all, I'm not touching that can of worms you just opened with Ozil. No one's changing <laughs> their mind on that. Uh, I want to touch. I want to touch on Baku real quick, Azerbaijan. Go They're one it. of the people need to put aside the outrage, the justifiable outrage about it, and realize that they supply one-fifth of the world's oil supply, and I'm sure some money went under the table for a country that is not ready for a football final. And you don't have to answer that because you're trying to get there, but I just had to say that, and no one else is saying it. You're absolutely right, mate. You're absolutely right. That is what it's about, isn't it? Sadly, that is what it's about. Um, your thoughts on... Unai Emery season so far. And first of all, sorry, Glenn, I forgot to say, where are you calling us from? Or where are we calling I'm, you from? I'm calling you from New York. So that's two New Yorkers in a row there. So you're probably going to lose all your UK listeners. <laughs> I need to practice my New York accent, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. you Go for it. Uh, the manager, too early. He needs another season. So I don't even want to comment on that. Um, I, I would like to say that you are 100% right about Guendouzi. Um, on a perfect Arsenal squad, he would be a squad player getting some time and getting his mistakes out, you know, and, and, you know, in lesser games, uh, but it's too early to give him all that money. I completely agree with you. Yeah. It just seems a little bit premature. I'm not saying that I don't want Matteo Genduzzi at Arsenal. I'm not saying that he won't develop. I just feel like right now that shouldn't be our priority. And I know, look, it is just reports at the minute. There's no point in having an absolute meltdown about it because we don't know for sure. But it just feels like for a club who are consistently telling us, oh, guess what, guys? We're restricted in the transfer market because we our, our wage bill is too high. Yet yep, we're right. about to extend, we're about to give someone a pay rise when we don't need to. It just doesn't make sense to me. Absolutely. Totally agree with you there. I wanted to touch on one other thing that makes me bananas because so many people I respect are, are really hot for Zaha coming to Arsenal. And to me, he is a diver 
In other words, he cheats. There's no doubt the ability is tremendous that he has. I'm not diminishing that. But, I mean, back when the crossbow was invented, England didn't even want to use it because there was no, there was no honor in that. And I don't think there's any honor in winning games by cheating. And I'd rather have them go for somebody else besides Zaha. Plus, his price tag is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Just so I, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt you, Harry. Go Could ahead. you just weigh in on Zaha diving? Would you be happy, except for that Tottenham game where Aubameyang <laughs> missed the penalty, would you be happy <laughs> winning games with Zaha diving? Um, n- no. Because you, you don't want to advocate diving. You never like it's it's a horrible thing. You don't want to you don't want to say yes. I want to see my players do that or anything along those lines. No honor. There's, yeah, exactly. There's no honor. But aside from the whole diving thing, it's not even that uh, with Zaha for me. Zaha strikes me as the type of player who is good at being the big fish in a small pond. Asking uh-huh. him to move to a club like Arsenal. He went to Manchester United earlier on in his career. I know he was a lot younger then, but it didn't work out, did it? And my fear is that we'd have the same problem. I think when you look at the money that Crystal Palace are asking for him, and I think, as I said earlier, there seems to be this inflation when Premier League clubs are buying from each other. But it just feels like the money we would pay for him, we could go and get another option that would be just as effective, perhaps from abroad, without paying that Premier League premium. And for me... That is a real problem, particularly when you're talking about a club who are always going on about how, you know, we can't compete. Uh, no, I completely agree with you. Uh, maybe Goretzka and, on Bayern. I mean, maybe they feel guilty that they got Nabri. I know he didn't go directly from us there, but, you know, maybe they'll feel bad that they have yeah, Goretzka, uh, Kai, Havert, Kai Havertz. How the fuck do you say his name? I don't know. Uh, Leon Bailey. I like those guys. You know, if we don't want to go inside the Premier League, what do you think of those guys? Um, again, I, I, I like the sound of them. I like what I've seen of them, but do I know enough about them to make a call on that? Probably not. I'll be lying if I said I watched much of the, um, the, uh, German league, to be honest. I, I well, we've lost Glenn there. Sorry. Let's get him back. My bad. Let's get him back. Sorry, Glenn. We oh, lost I you there for a moment. My oh, bad. No, back. I don't know if it was me. It was me. My, my... It was me. I was trying to... Oh. I was trying to do something else at the same time. This is the problem when you do things live and you're trying to do it all by yourself. Uh, I hit the wrong button, so apologies for that. No, it's okay. I thought it was one of my hideous kids that did something. (laughs) But no, in in terms of those players that you've asked me about, if I'm being completely honest, mate, I don't know enough about them to say, yeah, they'd be the right answer or they wouldn't be. Um, Lovely comment coming from Danny, the GFP, uh, from the Burkamp Wonderland podcast. If you don't listen to that, do check it out. It's a fantastic show. Um, It is. It is a fantastic show. I've listened to it. It is. It's brilliant. And Danny says, Mateo will only spend it all on Pokemon cards anyway, talking about (laughs) the proposed Genduzi contract. So, yeah, I mean... I wanted to say I wanted to say this for a long time. Long time listener, first time caller, and you do great work. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on, Glenn. And uh, we'll speak Take to you care. again in the near future. Okie doke. Bye bye. All the best, mate. Cheers. That was Glenn, our second New Yorker of the night. Fantastic stuff. Uh, let's get on to our next caller. Bear with me a second, because I I almost had it and then I messed it up. Uh, when Glenn was on the line. Here we go. Let's dial up uh, our next caller. Love this, love this time. Absolutely. 
Welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, mate. Introduce yourself. How are you? Uh, hi, my name is Dhruv and I'm calling all the way from India. <laughs> Welcome, Dhruv. Welcome to the show, mate. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Arsenal this season? What do you want to say? I just wanted to add uh, about this whole topic of conversation that you guys are having about Emery. Yeah. And I think it is uh, like a shaky first season, but I would say if you look at our performances against the top teams, I think we have improved considerably. And I think under Hassan Wenger, that was one of his biggest criticism that uh, he would never be able to, you know, change their tactics and, you know, basically change the style of play. But I feel with Emily, we can obviously achieve that. And I think in the long run, I would say if you have to win your Champions League, your FA Cups, I think that is something very crucial. And I would, if we have a valid investment in our team, I think we can go, we can actually improve next season. But I'm not really sure if we're getting any investment. That's another issue, yeah. Hmm, interesting, mate. What do you think about, what areas do you think we need to invest in? It's quite clear, isn't it, that we've got some real problems in the squad. There are some positions that need addressing. If you were the man with a checkbook, what would you be looking to do this summer? I think more than signing players, I think we need to get rid of the dead wood. I think, uh, I, for me, I who, would who say... Who is the dead wood of... to you, mate? Who, who would you say is the dead wood? I would say in defence, we have Monreal, Mustafi, and I think someone earlier told about Kolasinac. And I actually agree with him because you can't have a defender who knows only how to attack. And when it's, when it comes, when it's, when it's his turn to defend, he would probably struggle. I, I just... I feel he's someone who will is good enough for a fifth place team, and I really think we need to build upon him. And I know we can't get rid of all the players at once, but I think so I would start off with Mustafi, uh, probably Montreal, and then in midfield I would probably go with Jacka. I I do not, I mean he games, but we already have enough incons inconsistent players for us to you know carry forward a team. I mean, if Aubameyang or Lacazette have a, a, uh, an off game, it actually doesn't really show that much. But in anybody, any player in the midfield has it, I think it actually shows. So I feel we need a... I, I mean, ever since Santi Cazola left our team, I feel we have not got a player who can control that midfield. And I was really hoping Torreira was that kind of player, but I haven't seen that kind of, you know, technical ability from any players so far. Um, I have high hopes for Joe Willock, but I, I, even him, I just don't see that technical ability to, to, you know, control the game. And I think that's somewhere we are lacking like, yeah, really I, bad. I totally agree with you. And I think I'll go back to my earlier point where I said it's a little bit risky relying on some of these young players to come good. I know it's the way everybody wants to see things done. It's the ideal scenario, isn't it? Bring players from your academy into the first team. But as I said, when a manager's only got two, three seasons top to make an impact, and that's how it is in football now. You cannot always wait and hope that somebody develops. And that's kind of the problem. And it's about balancing that and the fact that we don't have the money to go and get the top, top players in the game. Uh, Daruv, I just wanted to ask you, actually, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but Arsenal have a huge yeah. following in India, don't they? Yeah, uh, massive. I think it's probably Manchester United number one, and it's probably second. It's probably Chelsea or Arsenal. I would say. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Daruf, thank you so much for coming on, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, always a pleasure yeah, no uh, to know that our show is reaching the ears of people uh, so far away, such as yourself. So, thank you for joining. In. Yeah.
All right. Good night. It's actually two o'clock. So. <laughs> oh wow! You better get yourself to bed, mate. <laughs> Good night. All right. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. That was Daruv all the way from India. It's two in the morning over there, so he better get himself off to bed. Uh, thank you to those of you watching in the live chat. We've come to the end of the show. We've been going for about an hour. Wow, that's absolutely flown by. Before I let you go, guys, please hit that like button. We need as many likes as possible. It really helps in ranking our, in pushing our video. Sorry, up the rankings. Apologies for the technical hitches. Apologies. For my mistakes, that's what happens when you do things live. But we will be running these shows on a weekly basis. We seem to have had a really, really good response so far. Uh, if you want to get involved next time, all you need to do is DM us your name and number via Twitter and we will call you. Uh, we will call you. It's absolutely of no cost to yourself. If you're abroad, then send us your Skype address. We can't make abroad calls, but we can, of course, get you on Skype. And we've done that a few times this evening. So please, please do let us have your details. Our Chronicles underscore AFC DMs are open for you to jump on. Uh, don't forget to hit subscribe. I've already gone on about the like button. How about hit the share button as well? And of course, this will be available from tomorrow morning on all the usual podcast platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., etc. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves, guys, and uh, all the best. And thanks once again for tuning in. Ciao.